Welcome to this first ever episode of ADI Stories, the show where we speak to driving instructors about their journey, why and how they got into the industry, the problems they face, problems they've overcome, the success stories and where they are now. To begin with at least, the show will be monthly, so make sure that wherever you're listening, go and click subscribe so it drops into your feed straight away whenever a new episode comes out. I will be your host for this show, Terry Cook, and I am delighted to be here, and I'm delighted that you have chosen to listen. Now, on this first ever episode, I am joined by the wonderful Phil Cowley, who talks about his journey, and it's a great way to start the show, because there's a lot of things to take away from this. The big one is persistence and development and not being afraid to try something again, if at first you don't succeed. You'll see through this story that he started off as a franchise, he left and went independent, then left the industry, came back as a franchise, left and went independent again, and now runs his own multi-car driving school. Some fun stories along the way, and it's very inspirational. So, we'll get stuck into that in just a second, but before we do, just another mention, just a reminder, go and click subscribe wherever you're listening, whether it's Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever. I want this show to reach as many ADIs as possible, so go and click subscribe, share it with your ADI friends on social media, WhatsApp groups, all that kind of stuff, and if you like the show, make sure you leave us a nice little five-star review. Now, if you hang about to the end of the show, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what's coming up. But for now, let's dive into the episode. So joining us on this first ever episode of ADI Stories, we have the wonderful Phil Cowley. How are we doing, Phil? Yeah, I'm all right. Thank you. Yeah, I am sorry, I'm interrupting you already. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> I want to give you an initial thank you straight away, uh, because when I put a shout out for this episode and, and asked who wanted to come on. Uh, obviously, you're one of my wonderful premium members and you put your hand up straight away and, and wanted to come on and you even gave me the the idea for the show, the concept of this is your life for driving instructors. So yeah, big thank you for giving me the, the concept for the show. Yeah, it's all good. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm, it's my favourite topic, talking about myself. So, <laughs> <Can't>. well, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll have some fun today then. So, so yeah, I, I want to dive into your ADI story, but I think the best place to start these is actually at the end. So I think I want to kick off just by asking you a little bit, bit about where you are now as an ADI, what you're actually up to and, and how you kind of see yourself in the role. Okay, so... At the moment, I so I run a driving school. I have uh, six driving instructors out on the road and four currently training. And yes, yeah, so I run I run that driving school. I've been an ADI for sixteen years as well. Um, so yeah, I suppose I see myself as like a three pronged. I would say sort of like an ADI, an instructor trainer, and business owner. Um, so they're my sort of kind of free, free jobs. I also do a bit of sort of kind of extra instructor training for like standards checks or kind of rescue sort of things, or potentially um, I've done training for some PDIs who've maybe not got, got on well with their trainer in the past or um, something, um, situations like that as well, who necess- aren't necessarily joining my school, but just need a bit of help to get into the job. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I do at the moment. I like the the free ponged idea of it, but but let's let's get in and find out how you got to this point. So from the end, let's go right back to the beginning. Let's look at how you became an instructor. So I think first of all, I, I want to ask you what made you take the plunge to become a driving instructor. 
Um, I don't know. I tried to think back for this when I, uh, in preparation for this, and I couldn't remember what my full motivation was. I remember I was a chef at the time, um, so before being a driving instructor. And it's one of the things I love about this job is everyone's come from sort of like different backgrounds. So, yeah, I was a chef, which has nothing to do with being a driving instructor at all, really. It's like couldn't be more opposite job. <laughs> but, yeah, I um, I didn't want to be a chef. So I, I sort of fell into being a chef. My brother's a chef, and I just sort of fell into that job as um, sort of like started off washing the pots and just built my way through it. Um, and I kind of got myself up to being like second chef. But I didn't want to take that next step because I didn't, I, although I actually enjoyed being in the kitchen, I quite enjoyed cooking, but I don't, I don't enjoy that creativity side that I think you need for being the head chef, like making the menus and stuff. So I started looking for another job and it was just advertised really. And I, I think I'd, in the, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, that was, that was there in my background. And I, I, I always liked driving. It, it became natural to me driving, uh, which makes it hard with learners actually, because I, I, I can't empathize with the struggle some of them have, have with learning to drive because I was like, oh, it's easy. So I think I was always quite natural at driving and it just sort of kind of came to, and, and I wanted to, that, that teaching sort of element appealed to me. Um, and BSM were off, like it was just a job advert. Um, BSM checked in, I was like, I sort of thought, yeah, might, might be an idea. I'll give it a go. Started doing a bit, a few inquiries. Um, I think they were offering some money back like they do <laughs> after the training course sort of kind of thing. And that that just seemed like the, the way forward. So yeah, sort of then went for it and and never looked back really because and I, I I feel really lucky because I think I accidentally found my perfect job. Um and I because 16 years later I still love it. I still love getting in the car with pupils. I still love getting better at being an, a, a driving instructor. And I I think I was just lucky that this this I, I think I was made for this job and. I didn't necessarily know that. I just accidentally found it. And I sort of kind of feel lucky that I found that job really because could, I could have easily gone into lots of other different roles and hated them for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I'm really trying hard to hold back from making jokes about you being a chef and me being a cook. But, you know, I'm gonna... <laughs> um, so he said that you trained with um, BSM. How did you... How did you find your training? Uh, did it did it come naturally to you? Was it a struggle? Because it's I don't think people that aren't instructors realise the what it's like getting in a car and teaching people for the first time. I think my first of all, I thought my training was great. Um, it was back BSM were a completely different business back then, and we had like offices um, and like shops in the high street, and um, all my training was actually up in the central. I had to go to Bath to do a lot of my training there was a few training sessions um in exeter but but most of them I, it was all going up to which i quite like because you got to meet other pdis and and they some were on a trainee license somewhere and, and you and you went through that sort of like bonding process of like oh my people did this and and, and those sort of kind of stories that you love to tell um but yeah my training sort of kind of yeah it was good i think um and you came, it came it, i think it suited my style um i got a bunch of like stuff to go right go read this go learn this and and then I quite like the whole classroom based learning as well and sort of interacting there was a lot of that um yeah it took a while that was my only my, my only thing but that, that that wasn't me that was just that the way the courses worked is like if you missed a course it could be like a few months later before you got on the next course so the process took quite a while but um, I had to wait anyway, because actually, I think I started learning before I could actually be a driving instructor, because I wasn't old enough. 
because or I hadn't had a license for long enough or something like that. But they said that was fine because by the time you pass, so I passed when I was twenty one, uh, uh, twenty. No, I was twenty two when I passed. Started training when I was twenty one, so quite young as an instructor as well, which I think affected my ability at that point. I think that there is as much as I think it is. I'm looking to try and get more young people into the role, but. I think there is a limit to that because I think you kind of need a few life skills as a driving instructor. But yeah, the training was the training was great. And my instructor my, my instructor trainer was great. I don't think she'd cope in the current climate of um coaching. I think actually I think I seem to remember talking to her when it came in and she was leaving the job at that point. Um and she was like, I'm glad I'm leaving at this point because she wasn't a coach. Um but but it worked for me, to be honest. I, I didn't mind being told what to do and and, and get on with it. And the whole role play thing, I think, suited me at the time as well. I quite liked, I, taught, I treated it like a game. I knew if I said the right words, the examiner do the stuff that I wanted them to do. So that all suited me as well. I think the disadvantage of that and the, and the thing I love about training now is that we get to train them to do the job rather than this fake exam. The thing I did probably find really difficult was that when you got out in the car, and I don't think, I was thinking about this earlier, I don't think until... I had a PDI come and sit in the back of one of my lessons. I don't think anybody watched my my a driving lesson that I've conducted in like 16 years. Um, so that was kind of weird that I'd been taught to teach a robot to drive and then I had to go and actually teach some real people to drive and they didn't suddenly do what you asked them to do when you said certain words. Um, so that was kind of strange and you had to kind of very quickly adapt um, how you, yeah, how you sort of kind of conducted lessons and then and then you'd have a standards check like six months later with a um, real person so yeah yeah, sort of like a very weird scenario there but yeah I enjoyed the training so I went on the trainee license um with them and that was that was fine I passed all three tests first time I I, like it it sounds a bit obnoxious but I, I did find the process relatively simple um I'm sure I worked hard at it to get that to get to that point but it it felt it felt natural um, which is what I was saying earlier. I think I, I just accidentally fell into a job that I really like and, and it yeah. suits me and it suits my style. But yeah, moving on to then when I started the role, um, I think one of, and, and I know the the big companies get a bit of stick um, and and I'm sure like towards the end, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the big companies, but when I first started, I, I loved having the whole support network. I don't think it's the same at the moment anymore. But when I started, we had an office um, and, a, and a shop in Exeter High Street. And I, I would, and I lived in Torquay. So in between lessons, there was no point me going home. And I'd go and sit in the office. And all these instructors that have been doing it for like 10 years would wander in and do their diary and, and stuff like that. And I could just ask them questions. And I think that was like invaluable. Um, I've just actually got off the phone to a PDI, uh, sorry, an ADI now, um, who's just recently qualified. And she just wanted to chat because it was like you're out on the you're out on the road on your own and she just wanted to see am I, am I doing it right sort of thing and I I had that ability when I was at BSM to be able to sort of ask people what what can you do or even just like where do you teach parallel parking <laughs> that sort of thing and I suppose we have Facebook now for that a little bit but it's not quite the same it's something I try and do with my guys is we have a weekly meeting on Zoom and that's designed for that sort of kind of so they they can just kind of come in with those questions so you don't feel like you're just out on your own in and sort of on the job basically yeah so that was my kind of like start of life at bsm Um, yeah some interesting stuff there i do want to touch back on a couple of things you've said i think that what you were saying there about 
sort of touching base and like you said now you have these these weekly zoom calls with your guys i think i think that's underrated i really do i, I know that i started with with red driving school and that was something you know they did they arranged uh, a call with me every week and i think that happened for like the first six weeks and then they said look we're happy to do it monthly unless i want more frequent calls and i'm like no i'm all right now but it was just i think sometimes you're right it's just that that little touching point because you, as you've said a, a couple of times hey you are just sat in the car by yourself i know you have your students but it is just you it's it's, it's an odd lonely profession in that sense so when when you first started and then like you say you it's just you how did you how did you find that how did you cope that on a daily day was it a struggle or did you do that okay um, I'm sure it was a struggle. Yeah. Um, the, I, I always think back to those first couple of years as an instructor and I, and I think I must've been shocking. Like, I, I, like I, I, at the time I think I was good. I thought I was good, but I am pretty sure now if I sat in the back of those lessons watching myself, I would like have a lot of talking points for myself. Um, if nothing else, like coaching wasn't a thing. Uh, so if nothing else, I was probably very, very directive. And um, so there would certainly be those comments. I remember, I think the biggest thing I remember, not necessarily struggling with pupils, because I feel like you, they get there eventually. And the struggling with the tests, I remember that. I remember sort of struggling with knowing when a pupil's ready. And I think that's something a lot of new instructors struggle with, is like knowing when a pupil's ready. And I think even more so at the moment, with, like with the fact that we weren't allowed to sit in the back of tests. So that was one of my biggest things I did while I sat in nearly all my tests, just because you need to kind of learn that standard. And so, yeah, I think that was one of the struggles. I, I know I definitely took a lot of pupils to test that I would nowhere near take to test now. So, yeah, I think that's something that 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 I remember struggling with when I first first started and sitting in the back was was invaluable sort of thing. Um, or the other thing that we had at BSM, and, and again, I do this for my guys, um, is mock tests, but external mock tests. So we there would be, I think there was like three driving instructors in, in the local area that were trained to do mock tests. And so you'd book your pupils in. So again, that was an ability to sit in the back, but also to check whether you were right. And so I do the same. I do mock tests for my guys. So there's bit, and they would always talk about that big scary Phil's going to come and do like a mock <laughs> test sort of thing. And I do do my sort of kind of um, horrible as an examiner impression sort of kind of thing. Like be the mean one, so that when they get there and they're like, oh, actually, examiners on that on that horrible. Um, but yeah, I think that can be sort of again invaluable to sort of kind of see what that standard is. And I know um, my my PDIs and, and ADIs have, have said that that they they sometimes use that to just kind of see if they're right. If, if, if they, do, they were right, then they were ready as well as it being great for the pupils. Cause it's a, um, I always talk to them and say, it's like, it, that's the one they get to fail. So the pass rate is 50% pretty much across the country. That's the one they get to fail. And then they go and pass the real one for <laughs> the yeah. first time. So yeah. Um, yeah, it really, uh, yeah, that sort of kind of stuff really helps. And so again, if that was, that was, I think a good part of having that sort of kind of national, um, being in that group sort of thing. I, I can't imagine going out and just instantly going solo and stuff. I can't, I like I've, I've trained a couple of people that have done that and I just, yeah, I can't imagine that sort of kind of how, how they cope <laughs> basically. <laughs> yes. You spoke about driving tests a bit there and I, I want to uh, ask you about that a little bit because I, I can remember mine. Now, admittedly mine was only six years ago, but can you remember the first student you took to a test? Yes. It was called Ross, big ginger hair. Remember that? 
and he lived really far out from where I was teaching, which I think was a classic sort of, that is the downside to the big schools is they send their PDIs to the ones where everyone else has said no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so all the other instructors are like, oh, I can't send the senior instructors out there and they'll moan. Um, but I didn't mind. I didn't care. I was getting, it was, I was on a training license. I was training effectively. But yeah, no, I, I what I do remember the biggest thing I remember and and the test center at the time you could see out the window like the car park and stuff I remember being absolute I, I'm swear I was probably more nervous than he was <laughs> um like and I was like you know like dogs wait for their owners to come home sort of thing looking out the window sort of thing I'm pretty sure I was like that just like every every car noise looking out the window so yeah I remember being really really nervous and I think that's something that's changed over the years um that I yeah like I had a test today I just went went for a walk it was nice <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. and you still care and you still want them to pass but I just I I know I've done my job and they will pass or they will fail but that that's just the result um and if they fail they will pass at some point because I know they can drive um so yeah whereas I think back then I was I was um I suppose a lot of my my worth as a driving instructor was sort of kind of on the back of like and I think potentially the DVSA have, have 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 added to that a little bit recently, um, and made driving instructors feel that their worth is based around their pass rate, um, rather than how well they think the driver, how well the a job they've done of actually making that driver a driver, like that learner a driver basically. And so I, yeah, I, I, again, weirdly, I had this conversation just a minute ago because um, the ADI was sort of struggling with the fact that she's had a couple of fails. Um, and 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 I've had it with one of my previous guys as well. Um, and it, I was just kind of sort of like, yeah, it's not that. That's not what you are as a driving instructor. You're what what you are is creating this driver, and just ask yourself, do you feel like you you sent a good pupil to the driving test? And if they did, great. And if they didn't, then that's when you start questioning yourself and going, okay, well, what could I have done differently? Should I have had that conversation with them about moving the test? Um, or done training differently? But if you feel like you've done a good job and they go and fail, then they go and fail and they'll they'll go back and get it next time because you've created a good driver so yeah i think that helped you mentioned before about uh sending people to tests that weren't ready and you sort of you're not doing that anymore obviously but did you know they weren't ready was it a conscious decision was it a lack of ability to judge on your i think i i think i knew a couple of times um there's one lady i always remember um and she was foreign lady um sort of i can't remember which nationality but east eastern european and it i took her for it was like they it was again the sort of like a couple of lessons and then a driving test sort of thing and now i would probably a wouldn't take the pupil on and b if i did i would have i the second i had that lesson i'd be like nope um in my head it was okay i know you're not ready but i'll take you because then you'll fail and then stay with me if that makes sense so you'll and then i'll get those other lessons um so i think in my head it was like this it was almost a business decision in the fact that it was more more income coming in um but yeah now i wouldn't do that and yeah i know i just yeah it's it's not that cool um i do remember a few years ago i did i did it though actually and and that's just like i'm trying to think now must have been about five years ago or so so quite far into my driving is instructor i took a pupil who again i knew it was it's that decision of the with the eastern european lady and the and and this this other guy was probably the only two times i can remember doing this where i've taken a pupil knowing they're not going to pass um normally it's like you know 50 50 sort of kind of thing um and i went and sat in the back of that test because i knew there was a potential it wasn't going to end (laughs) basically end well um and we got up to the top of the hill and the examiner 
said, yeah, I'm going to, it's the only time I've had a test, test cancelled. Um, I can't remember what they call it, walk back, don't they? Sort of thing. Um, and the only time that's ever happened. And I felt so bad about it. I actually emailed the, um, the examiner um, apologizing because I, I just, I felt bad that I put him in a car with that pupil. And actually that has stuck with me because now I, that's kind of the thing I pass on is that it, it's not just about your pass rate. It's not just about whether the pupil or passes. The poor examiner's got to sit next to someone <laughs> and they've got to hold back. Like, yeah, they can grab the wheel and press the pedals, but they have to hold back until right at the last minute. And in a way you're just, you, you potentially putting them in, in, in danger in that scenario, as well as your, your car getting smashed up. Um, so yeah, that, that stuck with me. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think I'll ever make that mistake again. Um, I think I'll just be no thanks. Yeah. Do you think that's one of those mistakes you make where you immediately regret doing it, but when you look back on it, it's actually served you well? Yeah, 100%. I think there's lots of things that have happened in my career in the driving sector where you sort of, yeah, you learn from your mistakes. I, I tell my pupils that all the time. It's like, it's fine, make a mistake. I want, I want you to make mistakes <laughs> because that's yeah. how we learn. Um, and because they're, they're quite often they can be terrified of being wrong and, and making mistakes. So yeah, it's yeah, it's how we learn. So um, yeah, and I think I've made a lot of mistakes <laughs> um, as a drive, not just as a driving instructor, but um, from the business side of being a driving instructor. And all of those have sort of built me up to being now basically um and i feel like i've got all of that i've made those mistakes and i'm sure i'll make a, another <laughs> more in the future <laughs> and go on i I've, i think I, I think back to myself five years ago when potentially i started i went solo again as as into like my current driving skill and i think myself now i'm i'm a way better trainer way better instructor and way better at my business than i am five years ago and i hope in five years time i'm gonna have that same thought i'm like oh remember that chat i had with terry <laughs> um, <laughs> do you remember how, how rubbish i was at all those things back then um, and that's what i hope and it's like continuing to sort of push myself to to get better at all of the aspects of those like free free jobs well, um, if ADI stories are still going in 10 years, we'll have you back on for a recap. See how it's gone. But I do actually want to ask you about some of the mistakes or, or, or alternative successes you've had, but just sort of wrapping up that, that the test centre, if you like, the, the driving test side of it. Any disasters? Uh, I know you mentioned you walked back then, but in terms of like the, the test centre, have, have you had any stories from the test centre? I mean, one that, that springs to me personally, I'll, probably drip some of my own stories in these episodes as we go along but one of mine was my first ever driving test that um i had no idea what to do when i remember getting there in time to do the test before i got there like 50 minutes early and the, ex yeah. the examiners have come out and they've come and asked for thing and we've uh, the license because obviously they thought there was a test there that weren't supposed to be there and we've said oh well no we're not to this time like uh, do you mind leaving and coming back in in an hour I'm like, oh sorry but yeah is there anything yeah. that stands out for you over the years no i do think again that that side of it though is and i i there's a i've seen some sort of new driving instructors have similar sort of things because they haven't got that support system um and i think i was quite lucky again in that having an office because we had a manager we had a senior instructor and i could just ask them um basically so i think i was well set up for that and i do the same with my guys though they've got their first test coming up i'm on the phone the night before and i'm like right have you done this have you done this do this go to this place do this sort of thing um and they're all sort of kind of prepped and know exactly they know they they, they like to the T they know like where to stand at the end of the test and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's about 
yeah, having I did, I was lucky in that aspect, and I, again, I sort of that's one of those things I pass on. I do remember if, I've I've had a few sort of kind of like I had a nail in my tire. That was a good one. Oh, I've just thought of one actually. Yeah. Oh, my pupil. This pupil is going to love this because she knows that I tell lots of my pupils this story, and I I spoke to her about five. This is I taught her ten years ago, and I spoke to her about five years ago. Um, and she was like, Are "You still telling that story?" And she's now. I'm going to message her and say, "You're on a podcast now." Uh, <laughs> um, so we were. I parked in the car park about uh, two minutes away from the test center before the test center. She was all nervous. Got out of the car. Was like, can I get out and have a little breather? I'm going to take my jumper off. It's I'm too hot. Got back in the car, drove off. She suddenly realized that she'd forgotten to take her glasses and her glasses were on the roof of the car. Um, so, because she took her glasses off and she only would have worn them for driving. So it didn't, it didn't like click to her. So she'd left them on the roof of the car. Now, unfortunately, she'd come out of, and this was when we got back, we got to the test center. She's like, oh, I've not got my glasses. So I was like, right, quick swap seats. So I then drove not test standard back to um the car park um got back in and unfortunately there's a little bump as you come out of the car park and the glasses falling off the roof as we come out of the bump so they were all smashed to pieces i was like all right okay what are we going to do okay your eyesight's not that bad you probably w- will sort of just about get away with it so we went back to the test center she's suddenly trying to memorize all the number plates uh, <laughs> and she's um to the point where she's like I say she could read them but they were blurry so if she just had a look at them a bit closer she was all right so she got through the number plating went and did a test and then ironically failed for observations um so yeah so um yeah that was that was one of those sort of kind of stories but yeah I've had a couple of flat tires on the day as well racing around to get a new tire that sort of thing um trying to put a spare on at the test center with the examiner looking at his watch going you've got four minutes and i'm like i'm not <laughs> an f1 pit crew here um so um yeah yeah these moments happen but yeah you sort of kind of like I, I i don't know you can't really i can't learn from getting a nail in the previous lesson it's just one of those things and <laughs> you learn how to handle it i suppose but um yeah. all right cool so you like you said you were started off uh, at bsm what mm-hmm. was next what followed on from bsm so um not making much money at bsm that was my sort of kind of main thing um i feel like i spent a lot of time as an instructor and this might be down to the fact i was a bit younger maybe i could have i don't know promoted myself better i don't think i had the experience to do that and so i or, or maybe even the maturity to do that at the time and so yeah i don't i think i bumbled along for quite a while not making a huge amount of money like surviving and it was fine but I think back at it and I think I'm okay with that because actually what happened was I wasn't a really a business person. I was a driving instructor. It was just a job, but I got my, like the, the 10,000 hours sort of kind of thing. And, and I learned my trade basically. And I, and I, I, I've always had like that sort of kind of growth mentality, even though I was maybe not as good at the business side of it. So I was always going on whatever courses BSM offered, um, like, be training to do mock test training to do fleet and going off to do like um disability training they sent me on and then eventually instructor training as well actually um so i'm sort of kind of happy i had that experience even though from a job business point of view it wasn't great because i don't think i made enough money with like very high franchises and the company was struggling um and went through some sort of struggles and stuff um so yeah they I, I left eventually and set up my own driving school and that I think the catalyst was for, to, for that was they, they changed um, owners and that meant my contract changed 
And it was almost like a sweet point of actually, I don't need to sign this new contract. So I didn't have to get out of my old one. So I was like, actually, this is just the moment I'm going to do it. Um, so I set up my own driving school. It was called First Time Pass. Um, my tagline was, if you don't pass first time, we'll refund your driving test. Um, so this was my selling gimmick. Um, I had a pretty good pass rate by that point. So I was happy with, with that idea and it worked um, from that point of view. But again, I think I lacked the business knowledge. Um, so I had a Facebook page and I did the whole sort of handing leaflets out and business cards and all that sort of stuff. And I tried all these things. And again, I think that all of that has put me in good stead for now because um, I've made all those mistakes with that one. But again, I wasn't necessarily making enough money um, and suddenly being out there on my own, I think I was struggling to motivate myself as well. Um, and that, at that point, I think I like we, I don't think we had the Facebook groups as much at that point. Um, so I did suddenly feel quite alone in the job. Um, and so, yeah, that didn't really work out. And then I ended up actually stopping. Um, I... I, I think I remember having people knocking on my door to pay for stuff for my car and stuff. So yeah, it's sort of kind of my, my wife was, I remember my wife was like, like, why, why are we doing, why are you doing this job? You're literally making negative money at this point. Um, and I think it was during those, we had like that recession and then a lot of, and it was, it was a tough time for a lot of instructors. I think as well, everyone was fighting for, um, and, and we weren't charging a lot and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I think instructors coming into the business now are like happy days. Um, but, yeah, so I really struggled. And, and I, um, yeah, and I quit and went back to Sheffin. What year would this have been? Um, probably about 2010, 2012, maybe 2000, that, that era-ish yeah. time, I think. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I went back to doing being a chef for a year. Um, I quite enjoyed that, actually having friends again <laughs> to work with and all that sort of stuff. Um, but again, sort of kind of came across this roadblock of, I don't want to be a chef. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think fortunately I went, I went to do a, a I, I moved jobs in, in, in that I was only a chef for a year. And I, I think I did one job for about nine months and then moved to this other one for three months. And I hated everyone there. <laughs> um, it just, they weren't my people. They were just like, it wasn't the right fit for me. And I think it was really fortunate because what happened was instead of then going to find another chef's job, I chatted to one of my ex colleagues at BSM and he said, it's all changed now, Phil. It's, um, and bad mind, I've not been at BSM for quite a few a while here because I'd had that time as solo as well. It's all changed now. The company's brilliant. They're doing great jobs and everyone's busy and it's all that good. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going back and I'm going to make it work. Um, my wife <laughs> wasn't convinced, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, we, yeah, we went for it and I, um, yeah, went on to that. And I, I think I probably spent about a year and a half, two years at BSM after I came back and it was a lot better. We were a lot busier. I was making money. Um, and then probably most importantly, and I went, I swapped over to auto, started teaching automatic and that was great. And I love teaching automatic. Um, I love the pupils you get with automatic and the challenges that you can get with automatic as well so that was great and then unfortunately i had to go back to manual actually because i started instructor training and at the time you couldn't do your part three in an automatic and then teach manual which has now changed so they made me go back to manual when i'd started doing the instructor training and again happy for like bsm they they, they taught me to do instructor training i think that massively helped. I've done a lot of extra training since then, but it gave me that basis. And then I do not remember 
what made me flip from BSM to going solo again, but I, I can't remember what the what the catalyst was. But it was actually just shortly after they trained me to be an insurance trainer, so I felt a little bit bad about that. But uh, it wasn't intentional. There was, a, there, there was I can't, but I can't remember what flipped it. And yeah, and then I started up County School of Motoring, and then I was quite fortunate to get a franchisee um, from an ex-pupil who had done already done part one and two, um, and wasn't getting on with a trainer, and got her through her part three. Um, so she was then my first franchisee and then it sort of kind of went from there really and it was just the two of us for a while and then gradually sort of added some more people and then lockdown really helped Uh, (laughs) unfortunately obviously I know COVID was horrible and bad but I think it had its pluses because I think what lockdown did was make help me turn from instructor and instructor trainer to business Uh, and I was able to do my own website i had had several different types of websites and i think this is again making all those mistakes um of getting the wrong people to do my website or i I had one guy who did a pretty good job but i just i needed to be able to like go change this change that or or have my vision and it just i think i needed that control and so now I, i basically spent hours and hours during lockdown learning how to build a website building a website <laughs> pulling my hair out changing stuff but now i can I can adapt my own website. I can add to it, take away from it, um, change it as I want. And I think that's hugely helped. Um, yeah. And sort of allowed me to just do online courses. I did an SEO course, um, did all that. And so, yeah, sort of kind of, um, and I was watching all Lou Walsh's videos and stuff during that time. So I think I came out, out of lockdown, a better instructor and a better businessman. Um, and then, had a few people want to join during that time as well. So um, yeah, the business sort of kind of grew from there. Cool. Um, right. I want to touch back on um, sort of where you are now in a, in a moment, but I'm fascinated with the whole BSM solo, BSM solo thing. Cause like you said, when you initially with BSM, you left because um, you weren't earning so much and you went solo and quite honest there about how you didn't enjoy that and how you struggled went to became a chef and then came back to BSM. I'm fascinated why you came back because there must have been something from those formative years that you enjoyed to that you latched onto. There must have been something there. Yeah, I I well I always enjoyed the job. I I, I love being a driving instructor. Right. Uh, I just didn't enjoy not having money. <laughs> uh, so um yeah it was and I I think I just I don't know. I think I told myself that one, I'd had this pitch from from a driving instructor who said, "Yeah, it's all it's all different now, Phil. It's better. We're, we're busier. We're getting money. It's like we've got instructors coming out of our ear, like pupils coming out of our ear, sort of kind of thing." So that was that was the other one. And I think I remember having the conversation with my wife, and it was like, "This is it. It's like if it works, it works. If it doesn't, that's it. I'm done. But I've got to give it one last shot, sort of kind of thing." Because, like I said, I did love the job, um, and I still do. But yeah, it was a case of obviously I can't like not have money coming in yeah. at the time. And so, yeah. And I think there was, yeah, definitely. And I think maybe the part of that was probably just because I was working on my own and you're not as motivated on your own. You get, you, you do just get lonely and stuff. So you need that sort of pack around you to sort of support you. Um, like I was saying to you before the podcast, I think in a way my my pack now is 
as a little bit is listening to podcasts and listening to audiobooks and and you I, I always believe in that sort of idea that you you are the you sort of kind of are the person you surround yourself with like those sort of kind of five people you see the most well the five people i see the most is myself really in the car um so i had to kind of create this scenario where i was in the car listening to positive things all the time and i think that's hugely sort of changed my mentality so in the in between lessons i'm just like listening to podcasts audiobooks and stuff and it yeah it feels like i'm surrounded by positive people so that kind of helps um as well as obviously friends and family as well but you don't see them as much as you do like you would your colleagues i suppose and stuff and so yeah you guys are my colleagues (laughs) i I would say um listening to you guys no i think that's genuinely fascinating you know question completely yeah i think that because you spoke before when you were uh, bsm and then when you first went solo the word you was motivation you were struggling to find motivation to go and do stuff and uh, to go and do lessons And, and i really sort of see a symmetry in that from towards the tail end of my time with Red and when I first went by myself, it was like, oh, I can do what I want now. I don't have to go and do these lessons, you know. But then obviously you've got fans and stuff. And it, it and I but I found I find it fascinating how you're talking about using podcasts and audiobooks to almost like that's what's motivating you now. Using them as like you say the people you surround yourself with and using that as inspiration. I think that's um a brilliant take and, and hopefully this podcast and you can help uh, help some motivate some other people as well but like you said you then sort of where you are now you came out of lockdown you, you're growing your business what what challenges have you overcome what what are you sort of most proud of with this new business if you like um since you started taking on adis pdis i'd probably say two things one one the website and so and that side of it i think that was a lot of work to get the website right um and if weirdly actually i had a message today from a, a, a potential pupil who we've i've sort of added to our wait, waiting list but they said like i want to learn with you guys i love your website sort of thing and i was like oh that's nice um so it's nice to sort of kind of when see when those things come up um yeah so i think that side of it um i want to do so much more um i hear you talking about that all the time and i think i'm in the same sort of kind of boat it's like i, I want to do more social media i want to do more training videos and stuff like that um so, yeah i think that side of it has definitely been my the new me sort of kind of thing um and then the other side of it is the instructor training i love the instructor training i love helping the guys i love sort of molding them into little driving instructors and helping them be better driving instructors um and obviously i get to do that more and more with having new trainees um and um i get like lou walsh tends to recommend a few people to me um and from her pdi group so i get to help people in those sort of kind of scenarios and find they're not going to come and make me loads of money and be be on in my business but um they i still i like helping people get in because i love this job so i like helping people get into this job or keep this job or whatever 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 it is so um yeah i think those two are my two sort of kind of main things i I love the instructor training and the sort of helping people become better instructors and then the business side of it I, i suppose i'm proud of the fact that i've managed to create that sort of kind of website and a sustainable 
model for business basically hopefully yeah and if people want to check out your website uh, they can find links for that in the show notes as well um so make sure you, i'm in fact one of the things i'm gonna do is gonna have another nose at your website and you've mentioned it a few <laughs> times now so i'll be checking that out but, um okay so i'll pick it up too much um, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, this is crap compared to what yeah. he said um yeah. looking back over the the 16 years um, I'm interested what what lessons you think you've learned, what are sort of the mistakes you've made, the lessons you've learned, and the things you most the, the success stories, if you like. Um, what have I learned? Um, I don't know. Um, I suppose I've learned to be a coach, um, I would say, because that's not what I was when I first started. Um, I've, I, like I know they're, they're all very similar, but I was definitely an instructor um, to start with. So I've definitely learn to be a coach and I think weirdly I put that into my life as well so um my I, I I'm pretty sure I talk to my my kids in from a coaching sort of kind of perspective um certainly my oldest one anyway uh, <laughs> I remember having a conversation with one of them helping her with her homework and my wife was like you're doing your instructor voice um apparently <laughs> <laughs> I have an instructor voice um so yeah I think that that I think like coaching is is a passion of mine i i fully believe it works i fully believe it's the best way to help people improve whatever whatever they're they're improving whether it's driving or life skills or whatever um it's potentially something i might look into um similar like going down that route of being a coach at some point um in other aspects but it's probably not me right now but um yeah no i think that's probably my biggest thing is that sort of kind of being able to i suppose ask like listen and ask questions correctly and 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 i think that helps with life yeah <laughs> um I'm not sure my wife will agree but uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone else might so yeah. yeah i think that's yeah that's probably the the, the thing um I, I don't think i'm not saying think it's made me calm and patient but I think because we have to be so chilled and patient all the time, I definitely don't find myself out day-to-day life snapping or losing control. So I think potentially that's like a, a skill I've got from being a driving instructor. Yeah. yeah. What about mistakes or regrets? Any that spring to mind? Um, other than I've talked about before, like taking the wrong people to test and maybe just not doing all of this earlier like setting up my own business but then maybe I needed like I say I think it would have been nice to have sort of kind of because then I could be five years further down sort of thing but maybe I needed all those years just doing the job to get to the point where now I can do that job like pretty autopilot um but and it allows me to concentrate on the business side and try and improve that side or allows me to work on being a better trainer um and 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 that side um so yeah but yeah and i like i think maybe i I wish i'd i suppose when i went and did first time pass i suppose i kind of wish um that had worked out and then i'd be that further down but then i don't i just don't think i was in the right place and the right mindset um i don't think i i don't think i had ever read a motivational book or anything at that point in my life so um yeah that's definitely um yeah that side of me now sort of like those sort of kind of books and stuff like that i think has definitely um helped and, and changed me uh, i think that's key 
like you said, the investment you've put in yourself, you just spoke then about reading the, the books. You spoke like when you first started with BSM about asking to go on all these these courses. Uh, you spoke about the stuff you did over lockdown to, to help develop you and, 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 and that side of it. So where would you suggest anyone listening to this that, that's looking for a starting point for that that personal or, or that business development? Where would you yeah. suggest they go and start? Any any ideas there? Um, from an from an instructor point of view, I would any of the big trainers. They're all they're all brilliant. Um, like I've done a lot of stuff with um, Lou Walsh and been on all of her courses. I'm currently doing the tri coaching B Tech, um, and that's the first time I've interacted with those guys. But it's great. Um, it, it's all very similar because they've all come from the same sort of kind of background of of, of um, and it's well, they're all teaching the same stuff, but it's nice to hear different perspectives. So from that point of view, I would say go on all the courses. Don't wait for your standards check to come up. Like if there's someone offering a course, go on it. And I still do that. I go on standards check courses. I still um, I, I'm going off to something in Plymouth in a couple of weeks and stuff. So oh yeah, every opportunity gets go on a course. From a business point of view, um, yeah, the books. Um, I'm trying to think of the books um the dan meredith one is great if you if you're that mindset the um uh, how to be fucking awesome yeah that one and yeah. the um in a game of tennis was good which is really random um that it's good but from a coaching learning how to coach that is a, an amazing book um coaching for performance i read that was good yeah the couple of um couple of habit ones like the atomic habits um power of habit and coaching habit was quite good actually because that brought the whole coaching like the the coaching for performance with the atomic habits and it made a book about so the idea was okay you know about coaching and you know about habits but now you need to learn the habit of coaching because actually when you're in the car you revert back to your old style of teaching so it's about creating habits of a coach so that you, you until they become second nature um so yeah that was quite good um from a business um perspective i think i use um udemy quite a lot the 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 sort of kind of like short courses and things so i've done um i did a course on google ads and like how to not spend loads of money on google ads not that we need that right now um, but but it was good to know at the time time um i did a course on how to build a website um so that that helped me through building the website um i did um a course on facebook a course on tiktok and, a course, and i've not done the course on instagram but i've got one to watch at some point um the tiktok one was interesting uh, <laughs> um the yeah so um like yeah there's loads of courses out on on udemy that are just like good to sort of just brush up on those sort of kind of those things um i find yeah, udemy quite almost it's probably not meant as offensive as it sounds this but they're quite cheap and cheerful i think they're really yeah. good getting your foot in the door courses and then you can always dive further into stuff from that but yeah so the probably the best course i did actually which i think made my website because one of my biggest um concerns with the website was always like you can build this pretty shop window but there's no point in having a shop window if it's down the back alley. And so it was, how do you get it to the top basically and, and out on the, the high street? Um, and so I went on a course that actually it was, I, I was, I was Googling SEO and then I came across this lady and I was like, Oh yeah, she knows the stuff. And then it was really weird. I was like, 
wait a minute, she lives like 10 meters away from me. She was like just the back of my house. <laughs> and it was like, and it wasn't like a local search either. It was like a national search. And I was like, this lady lives like right next to me. Um, so um, yeah, it went on her course, basically. She, rather than her getting her, again, it was this sort of like, I've done the whole getting someone else to do SEO for me. And it, it just, again, it's like, like, I always wanted to do it now and the way I would do it and as quick as I would do it sort of thing. And, and so I was like, no, I just need to learn how to do it myself. Then. Um, so I went on a course, how to do it. And it, yeah, that was a great, I can't remember the name of the course now. I think it's SEO plus, I think it's called or something like that, which is a great, uh, I mean, maybe after I'll, I'll search the link and you can pop it in the, in the notes. Cause yeah. I think if you're looking to improve your website, it's a great course. It takes you through like step-by-step step what to do from like, like if for someone who's not even got a Facebook page or, or Google my business page or anything like that, it's like, how do you set that up? And then it all goes all the way through to like how you should be wording your website and stuff. So yeah, that's great. Sort of kind of, use that and that that definitely helped awesome um, and i liked your, your lady who was on doing seo the other day as well actually that was quite a nice refresher i can't remember what her name was now um nick oaks yeah it was about adhd as well wasn't it yes uh, yeah. that's over on the on the uh the sister podcast the uh the instructor yeah. podcast so if you listen to this yeah. make sure you go and check out the nick oak nick oaks episode on the instructor podcast um yeah, so, so one thing I'm going to be asking everyone that comes on this show is for two pieces of advice or messages. So uh, a piece of advice or a tip or a message that you would give to a PDI or someone considering coming into the industry. And then secondly, uh, someone that's maybe been in the industry a little while, a current ADI. Um, I think these are probably going to be both similar, um, but just at different stages. Um, so I think in the for a P- PDI, I would say get a good trainer and support network, basically. Um, and I think the same way as learners shouldn't stick with a, like an instructor they're not happy with. You don't have to stick with a trainee you're not happy with. Um, so I think if it doesn't click, I'm not saying the trainer's not a good trainer, but it might just not be that the right style for them. Um, so I think, yeah, get a, get a good trainer, get a good support network and yeah i think that that's invaluable i think you need someone not just a course i think you need someone who will come and sit in on your lessons and and sort of help you develop so i think that would be my thing for a pdi um yeah sitting in the back of lessons is probably the best way for someone to sort of like as in having well i think both actually sitting in the back of other people's lessons but also having someone sat in the back of your lesson and coaching you through the lesson because it's not shouldn't just be about like watching a lesson and then giving you feedback at the end that like we wouldn't do that to a learner you wouldn't go drive 20 minutes and then i'm going to give you all this feedback you would help them through it yeah. um so i think getting someone that will do that for you is invaluable um and then watch your finances i suppose <laughs> um for my mistakes um do your tax um that sort of kind of stuff um yeah and then from an adi point of view i think don't stop learning that that would be my my main message um i think it can be too easy to think you're done and and you know the job um but all the best instructors that i know um are always on courses even though they i think they're the best instructors around um because they're always trying to get better and always trying to learn so i think that's yeah the, the message i would say ne- ne- never stop going on courses <laughs> investing <laughs> investing in yourself i think as you put it earlier so. 
I think it's massive. Um, it's something I was late to the game for as well, but it's never too late to invest in yourself and it's always a good thing to do. Um, and I think the last question I want to ask you, unless unless you've got anything else to add afterwards, is you've been in the industry 16 years, I think you said. So yep. what if you could change, if you could wave your magic wand and make a change or a couple of changes, what would you like to change in the industry? Oh, that is a good question. Um, so, oh, what would I do? Um, um, I would change the driving test and make it a positive driving test instead of a neg- negative driving test. I think. So, my my theory, I like, I'm, I can't see this ever happening. But if if Love Day Riders listening, um, so the I would I would make the test longer and and then more of an assessment drive. Um, I seem to remember one of my pupils in the past saying, I think in Germany, the examiner sits in the back, not in, not not next to the pupil, and they go for a drive with their instructor. And I think that that style of thing would, I think, would be better just so you get a feel for the drive and the examiner could potentially say, let's go back round to somewhere and see if it was just a one-off mistake or actually do that does that pupil know? And because I think that's what we do as instructors, we get a feel for our pupils and we go get that. Per- I would let that person drive me around. That I feel they're safe. But the examiner can't do that in half an hour. So they have to have this negative going, you've made that mistake. You're going to do it for the rest of your life. Therefore, it's dangerous. Off you go, you failed. Whereas actually, if they could watch them drive and maybe chat to them and have a conversation, I think that more of a, like an assessment of, of, of the scenario, I think that would help create better learners and it would i think it would encourage instructors to be po- more positive um because i uh, we talk about coaching and being positive but it's really hard when the test is fault-based to not be fault-based in your training um and even actually the standards check has fault-based in it um in in that they want you to pick up on faults you will get picked you will get picked up if you ignore a, a, a fault on the test and yet we're told to be positive in coaching so i think potentially changing that as well actually um but <laughs> that not not all negative things need to be picked up on because people learn from positives better so yeah i think that would be my main thing change change it to be more positive i must i must admit while you're saying that i, I kind of agree with what you're saying but i'm just thinking imagine that a world where students are asking you what would happen on my test if because they don't need to ask yeah. that question anymore but they can focus on actually just driving that'd be lovely yeah. um Cool. Is is there anything else that you would like to to discuss while you're while you're on this episode? Anything else you want to cover? Any message no. you want to leave uh, the listeners? No, I think I sort of kind of covered it. I think my main, like I say, my main point is to continuously try and improve yourselves, um, and therefore that will improve the whole industry and everything. So, yeah, that's about it, really. Awesome. Well, thank you for being the first ever guest on ADI Stories. Do you want to tell people where they can find you and, and anything you offer that might be of interest? Um, I don't really offer any. Well, I, like I can do instructor training for anyone that's local um, in Devon. Um, <laughs> nobody knew where local was. <laughs> yeah, local in Devon, I can do instructor training or, or standards check training. Um, I am considering at the moment doing a course at some point, um, but I've got to write that. So, um, but now I've said it on the podcast, maybe I'll do it. Um, so, um, yeah, my website's cowdyschoolamorian.com um, and Instagram, Facebook, some amusing TikTok videos of me doing Superman impressions and stuff. So, um, yeah, that's about it, really. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, very much appreciate you giving us your time today. 
Thank you. So a big thank you to Phil there for joining me as the first ever guest on ADI Stories. I really enjoyed that, and I'm really going to enjoy these going forward. Speaking of going forward, these shows are going to be monthly. We're aiming to get them out on the 17th of every month. Now, there may be a time I'm on holiday, but you never know. Aiming to get them out on the 17th of every month. If you would like to be a guest and come and share your story, then let us know. You can find us on social media. You can find me on social media. Or potentially the best place to find us is on the website, www.theinstructorpodcast.com. And if that website sounds familiar, you will know it from The Instructor Podcast. Now, I'm just going to mention that again briefly here, because whilst this show is a standalone show, you will need to listen to it on a different feed to The Instructor Podcast. You'll need to subscribe to it separately to The Instructor Podcast. It is part of the Instructor Podcast Network. So if you've never listened to the Instructor Podcast, go check out now. You'll find a link in the show notes. You can find the website or wherever you listen, go and search for the instructor. Over there, there's all kinds of shows to help ADIs become better ADIs and run better businesses. But this show is a separate feed. So if you're enjoying this show, make sure you click subscribe and make sure that you leave us a nice little five-star review. That would be more than welcome. As I mentioned, if you would like to be a guest, feel free to get in touch. We do have the next few months sorted out, but always looking to plan ahead. And if you feel like you've got a particular interesting story to tell, all the better. So, yeah, all that's left for me to say is thank you for joining me on this first episode. I'm looking forward to bringing more of these, and I'm looking forward to hopefully receiving some of your feedback. But for now, have a great day.